Hello and welcome to Superfancast. My name is Chris, I'm joined by Matt, and this is Season 2, Episode 6, The B-52s. So if you're here to find out more about B-52 bomber planes, then oh you dear. are in the wrong place. Very disappointed. You're going to be super disappointed. You know, maybe we should have gone on some aircraft fan pages and, <laughs> and asked for a super fan there. <laughs> that would have thoroughly confused all of our listeners. We need but, someone who who loves B fifty twos. Come on on the show. Do you know? Do you know what what they're named after? The B fifty twos. Yeah, because they're not named after the plane, are they? The, well, blah blah blah. Well, kind of. I mean, the isn't it to do with their hairstyles? Yeah, I think the hairstyle was called a B fifty two because it looked like the, the nose cone of the plane. Yeah, so it's kind of in a roundabout way. It's related to the to the plane. I guess so. It's a good. It's a good name. I think it's a it's a yeah. memorable name. You remember it? Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of the cooler names that have numbers in them. Yeah, and it's also it doesn't really connote anything in your mind. It doesn't it doesn't give me any images of anything. So it means that you could actually name. Doesn't matter what your band, what kind of music you play. I think B fifty twos would work as a name. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, although I, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine like a Norwegian evil death metal band called the b-52s mm, yeah you're pretty right unless they had like a bomber plane on the front you know with big scary flames around it yeah i remember when i was growing up there was uh i don't actually know what they were but they were a, a, a metal band pretty extreme metal band called catatonia and then there was the uh the pop rock <laughs> band catatonia as well <laughs> and the only difference i think i think the metal band spelt it with a k mm. and uh, the poppers spelt it with a c mm. I thought that could was be the other funny. way around. Could yeah. be the other way around, though. Yeah, that's that's funny, though. There was also a rapper called Prodigy and a band called The Prodigy. Mm. I don't think you could get away with that most of the time, could you? No, I'm sure there's, there's definitely other cases. There's definitely other bands that are, are that similar. I just can't think of any off the top of my head. Yeah, you generally only do that if you're doing like a, a tribute band. You know, like the Iron, like Iron Maiden have got a tribute band called The Iron Maidens, and they're all ladies. Oh, that's close. And they're brilliant. They're so good. Iron Maidens are? Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. I'll check them out. Yeah, you must. Absolutely. You, like, you close your eyes and it's actually, you're like you're watching the real thing. Oh, that's what you mean. So they're, they're good as in they do a, a fantastic job of replicating what Iron Maiden have done. Yeah, yeah. But they're, they're good musicians as well. Cool, man. Have you uh, been listening to anything exciting lately other than B-52? I, I bet you've been listening to loads of B-52s. Uh, funnily enough, yeah, lots, lots of B-52s, um, and we'll talk about we'll talk about why in a bit. So I've been doing a lot of really boring admin paperwork, and I need something to stimulate my brain. So I've been binging on Emerson, Lake and Palmer. Oh wow! Sometimes I don't even know what what album I'm listening to. It's just on for hours, and I'm just like woo, going into the Emerson, Lake and Palmer dimension. Yeah, you float yeah, floating so, through the psychedelia. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so the, the particular albums I really like, Tarkus, which has a really cool front cover of an armadillo with tank wheels trilogy, which has a creepy picture of the three of them naked as one globulous monster on the front. That's not what you want, is it? Well, it's a bit weird, but it sounds great. The music's fantastic, and. Brain salad surgery. At first, I thought it was a little bit pretentious, but actually, I'm really digging it. Brain salad surgery. Yeah, that's got a really, um, that's got a really uh, iconic album cover. The brain salad surgery. Yeah, but um, H.R. Giger 
did his did his oh, magic on that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. It's kind of an alien, but it doesn't sound at all like you'd imagine when you see that front cover. Mm. You think it's this dark, creepy thing, and it's actually very beautiful, very jovial, I guess, in a lot of ways. Uh, mm. Very, very fun album. Yeah, check it out. Um, I think Emerson, Lake and Palmer are groups that I've probably I I couldn't. Uh, I've definitely never listened to an album by them, but I def. But uh, when I was much younger, and I inherited, uh, inherited, <laughs> when I obtained uh, loads of music onto my iPod, mm. I got loads of Emerson, Lake and Palmer, and so they were just a, a band oh. that, that occasionally came on when I was on Big Shuffle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I've kind of like uh, absorbed a lot of their music through osmosis, but not uh, not sat down nice. and listened to a record. Nice. They're just such talented blokes and. When they come together and they're they're just making they're making sounds that just don't even you can't even describe. <laughs> like, yeah. what is going on? Like, can't, I can't describe it. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. I'm I'm just dancing around <laughs> with my hands right now, <laughs> and I I've been introduced to a progressive rave band as well. Eat Static are made up of two of the members of Osric Tentacles. All right. Remember them? Yeah. Yeah, it's progressive rave. It's what you could imagine progressive rave sounds like. It's rave, but they use a lot of classical elements, a lot of jazz, and it's thunderous. It's real It's real rave music, heavy heavy bass, bizarre textures. Like one of their albums, it, it sounds like, this. this is what it sounds like if you're being abducted by aliens. That's my review right there. That's interesting, and by the looks of things, I've just googled them. One of them dresses like an alien as well, so I mean that's got that's got Matt written all over it, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Costumes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I've been, I've been, I've dipped my toe into their music, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna really get stuck into Eat Static. I'm gonna gorge on Static. Well, interestingly, it says uh, on their Wikipedia, it says they have been compared to leaders of British rave scenes such as The Prodigy, Underworld, and Aphex Twin, and Leftfield. All, mm. all artists that I uh, have a lot of respect for. And, you know, Leftfield Rhythm and Stealth was one of the first records I ever owned. Um, uh-huh. And it's still a phenomenal record, I think. Um, Aphex Twin are fantastic. Uh, the Prodigy, yes. are, again, Prodigy were a big part of my of my upbringing. Um Music for a Jilted Generation. I had copied onto a cassette uh, from a friend, mm. and I destroyed that cassette. Listened to it so much, and of course, Fat of the Land is one of the one of the best electronic albums ever made. Um, yeah, for sure. So yeah, for I'd, sure. Yeah, I'll definitely check these guys out. Yeah, nice one. Yeah, I think the word yeah. rave throws me off, but um, you know, when I look at the comparisons there, that's uh, that's all good stuff. Mm. Cool, man. Yeah. What's going on with you? I've been listening to loads of music lately. I've been back in the groove. You know, sometimes you're out the groove and you're back into it. I'm very much in the groove. I've been going through a bit of a saga with this band called Aberdeen. I'll just talk about them briefly because they're just a, an enigma. I don't know what the deal is with this Aberdeen band. Right, I discovered this album called Bliss by what looks like a band called Aberdeen is Dead. Mm. On Spotify, you can find Bliss uh, by Aberdeen is Dead. But uh, they're a bit weird. I mean, for, okay, for a start, that's amazing. Like, Bliss is just awesome, awesome mm. record. It's mm. kind of like this shoegazy alt rock, quite uh, a bit electronic, you know. 
it's programmed drums by the sounds of things and yeah it's very good though it's very good i like it uh, nice and ethereal and spacey enough for me to um to me, for me to get lost into it really nice guitar sound uh anyway the 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 band is called aberdeen is dead but then if you if you click on aberdeen is dead in uh in spotify it takes you to to the page and in their discography it's got a bunch mm. of albums by uh, a band called aberdeen so i was mm. like what's going on um, so I googled this band Aberdeen and I can't find anything about them nothing about them right but, it's because they're dead well I don't know what's going on mate because on Spotify they're getting like over 100,000 listens a month I mean that's pretty good that's like four times as many as my vitriol so people are listening to this band people have heard of this band <laughs> and they're listening to them <laughs> that's your mark that's but, yeah, how you exactly. measure success how, how do they do com- to com- compare to my vitriol <laughs> Uh, so I, I found the Bandcamp page for them where they're called Aberdeen, and they've also got Bliss on there. So that's the al- that's the album by Aberdeen is Dead. So I'm wondering, right? Are this band? Oh, well, okay. A few different lines of question in here. First of all, how come there's nothing about them online? No one's heard of them. I put a call out on Twitter. No one's heard of this Aberdeen band, right? And if you Google them, there is no Aberdeen band. But they're getting so many listens on Spotify, so they so they exist and people know them and people are liking their music. How can you have a band that is getting that many f- listens on Spotify yet you don't have a website, you don't have a Twitter page, you don't have a Facebook page? It just doesn't make sense in 2022. You know what I mean? Mm. Very strange. Yeah. So my th- my theory is right. I've got this theory mm. that so all the other albums were released under the name Aberdeen, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and then this new record Bliss looks like it's been released under the name Aberdeen is Dead, even though it's on the same Bandcamp page. Mm. I think maybe either one of them has passed away, because it's two guys, right? It's two right. guys from Texas. One of them's passed away, or they they hate each other's guts and they decided to split after after this record. And so they've put it out under a different name, Aberdeen is Dead, to say this is the end. And they've deleted their life online. So they've got, because they hate each other now, they've got rid of their Twitter account, their Facebook account, and their website. Mm. But, I don't know. What do you think? So, do Aberdeen and Aberdeen is Dead sound like the same guys? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's uh, the, the the only album I've listened to by Aberdeen, as opposed to Aberdeen is Dead, I think it was called Lamb. Um, mm. And it's a bit punkier, but I'm fairly confident it's the same band. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a prog- Bliss is definitely a progression mm. of Lamb. Um, mm. But I'm I'm confident it's the same band. Yeah, I, I've not I've got no doubt. It's just, it, in my mind it's the same band because on their Bandcamp page they've got both albums on there. That's super weird. It's very it's, strange. So yeah. a- anyone listening, if you've heard of Aberdeen or Aberdeen is dead, and you know anything about know what the story is, then get in touch. Hunt. I've, yeah, I really want to know what's going on there. But it's great. Al- Bliss is a really great album. Mm. Mm. Well, good for them. You know, if they if they found out this amazing way to promote themselves, then yeah, incredible. Totally. So that's really good. Been listening to that. Uh, I've been listening to Sunna the last couple of days. Or Sunna. I always called them Sunna, but you might call them Sunna. They had a song back in 2001 called I'm Not Trading, which was an amazing tune. Uh, I had the single of it and uh, just burnt out that single. I played it so much. And I didn't really know anything about else by them at the time, so I only really knew that that single. I'm not trading. It's kind of I would call it industrial post grunge. It's a very it's a very industrial mm. sound in that it's like the guitar, the repeated guitar riff that goes on through 
throughout the song is it's almost like a it's almost like a repeated sample it's it's got a very electronic sound the music um and how do you how do you spell the name s-u-n-n-a uh, so anyway this week i've been listening to their album that that was from their only album mm. i don't know what happened to them i guess they split after that one album the album's Sonner called one dead. minute science Sunner is dead yeah <laughs> Um, so the, the album was called One Minute Science. I've been listening to that, and I've been very surprised by it actually because the, the rest of the album there are some except there are some tracks on there that have that similar industrial sound, but there's a lot of acoustic songs on the album. Uh, mm. But it's but it's a really good album. I really like it. And it's a shame they split because I I do really like that sound. There were other bands from that era that had that post grunge sound, but enough of a enough of a uh, of programmed electronic vibe to make it sound industrial bands like mm. vex red I, I always really liked vex red um yeah it's, there's a lot there's a lot of bands from that era that i like that sound of and i think i'm not trading by sun it was such an amazing tune it's a shame mm. that the rest of the album didn't sound like that. i do like the album i've listened to it quite a few times over the last few days but uh, mm. it's a shame the rest of the album didn't sound like that and it's a shame that they that they stopped making music I'm just looking them up now, and yeah, there's a very edgy photo of the three of them. Guy in the middle, um, he, he's got a very Trent Reznor style hairdo, mm. lots of lots of gel in it, or <laughs> some kind of grease. Yeah, constantly look like you just walked out of the shower. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I think they, the they, they had a weird makeup. I think they were made up of like guitarist, vocalist, and DJ or something. Um, but it's but it's fantastic music. Like, I think anyway. Mm. Remember the the old days when every band had a DJ? Yeah, I mean, it worked for some and it didn't work for others. But yeah, I think mm. the first half of the noughties, le- yeah, yeah. The, definitely the very end of the 90s and the first half of the noughties, so much of that commercial metal was like, yeah. you, you weren't anybody if you didn't have a DJ. Recently, I played a gig uh, where a Teenage Dirtbag was on the set list. <laughs> right. And so I was listening to it just to, to learn it. and And there's... You know, it's a great song, but I, I I forgot about this really obnoxious disc scratching going on throughout the song. Yeah, there is in well, Teenage Dirtbag, isn't it? There? <laughs> like, that does not need to be there. Yeah, I mean, in some music from that era, it was just completely unnecessary. It didn't add anything to the song, did it? Like, <laughs> you know, bands like Linkin Park actually made it a, an integral part of the music. Well, yeah, kind well, I of. I think so. I think so. I mean, if you listen to Mike Shinoda's solo stuff, have you have you listened? Mike Shinoda. Yeah, he's the he's the rapper. No, Mike Shinoda. Have you listened to? Have you heard? Was it Reanimation? Which yeah. all remixes of? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but that was Mike Shinoda doing that. It was uh, Joe Hahn. He was the d- DJ. Just so Reanimation. Both... That was that was all Joe Hahn, was it? Because it wasn't that called. No, it was. Well, it was a Linkin Park record. But it was Joe Hahn's handiwork because that was all like remixes. Hmm. I thought it well. Oh, I don't know. Actually, I, I thought it. I thought it was a full band effort, but Joe Hahn was the main dude, and um, Mike Shinoda did the. Oh, I'm gonna have to go and re-listen to it then. Maybe I'm getting very. Maybe I'm just completely off the mark because it's been so long since I listened to it. But I, I thought that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm obviously wrong, but I thought that Mike Shinoda was the was the, the guy who the the brains behind that. Yeah, but I have heard Mike Shinoda's um, solo stuff. Oh no, it says here, look. Oh, okay, I'm not I'm not crazy. Recorded during the Hybrid Theory Tour. This features remixes of songs from Hybrid Hybrid Theory, including the album's bonus tracks. It was produced by Mike Shinoda. Fine. Okay, yeah, no, that's fair enough. That's, that's fair enough. That's what okay. it says. That's what it says. It doesn't say it doesn't say Linkin Park, it says Mike Shinoda. Anyway, what what else have I what else have I been doing? I think that's buff. I think that's that's enough from me, isn't it? Bloody hell. 
I've yeah, got nothing, we don't want your life story, Chris. I know, right? I've got nothing bright to say, nothing intelligent <laughs> to say. The B-52s are an American new wave band from Athens, Georgia, that formed in 1976. In 1978, they put out a single through DB Records, which gave them enough recognition to sign a deal 12 months later with Warner Brothers and release a debut album. Two further studio albums and two EPs were released in the years up until 1985, when guitarist Ricky Wilson passed away. After the release of their fourth studio album, the band took a break to recover from the death of Wilson. Their fifth and most successful studio album was released in 1989, which also gave them two of their most successful singles. Cindy Wilson left the band for a period to focus on her solo career, but returned for the production of their seventh and final record, which was released in 2008. The band are recognised for their kitschy pop, unique combination of vocalists, and their caricature of 1960s pop culture. They are still performing to date, although currently undergoing the Farewell Tour. Oh, sad. Mm. And there is the B-50-2s. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so I chose these guys. Yeah, uh, much to Chris's total bedazzlement. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, oh God, really? I love these guys so much. So... Uh, they're like an antidepressant for me when i'm feeling really low these guys always pick me up their music is so to me anyway it's it's life affirming and it's it's about celebrating being weird and having having fun all the time yeah and they're very talented people two of my favorite well actually i think i like i like all the singers kate and cindy the way that their voices sing together is just magic and and fred like at first it's a bit bit strange getting used to his his way but i actually am really fond of his of his vocals um i first got introduced to them from being a kid in the 90s watching the flintstones movie with john goodman have you watched this film Oh, yeah, for years. and When I was a kid. Yeah. When I was a kid. Yeah. I don't know why. I just thought, like, this band, this band are really cool. Like, Is that the first they, time you saw them? This, yeah. Like, the first time I, I was aware of them. Uh, so they did the theme tune to the Flintstones, and then they have a, another song in the in the film. And, oh, they look, they look, they are just so cool. And um, Kate looks great, the cavewoman, I think. And then moving on from there, you know, I heard Love Shack so many times and I've played it in bands so many times and I had to check them out and I, I loved everything that they've made. Yeah, I've been a massive fan of them. I really liked them. But this is the first time where I've really researched who they are as people and their journey from when they started to to the present. Mm. And it's been really interesting. Cool. Well, my, my journey's been, uh, well, before you mentioned them, is pretty limited. I mean, I, 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 when you said the name B fifty twos, I didn't know who you meant to be honest. But then when you, mm. you mentioned some of their songs, I mean, obviously, obviously, I know Love Shack and Rome, but I didn't didn't know that was by the B fifty twos, which is pretty shameful, really. Like I, sh- I should have known that. Um, and yeah, I didn't. Uh, I had no idea that they'd had um, kind of the impact and the career that they've had. Uh, so it's been yeah it's all been new to me really the whole thing has been new to me uh, mm. other than a couple of singles that that I did know but didn't know it was them uh, mm. that's that's the only 
only knowledge I had of them before ah. I mentioned them. Which which singles? Definitely Love Shack and Rome. Um, there's possibly possibly uh, like Fifty Two Girls, maybe. Um, may, I wouldn't have known the name of it, but if I'd have heard it on the radio, I'd have recognised it. There's probably others as well, you know, because I mean, there's quite a lot of songs by them that are reasonably regular, like kind of heart FM kind of songs, you know. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm sure I've 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 heard a number of their tunes in the past, but again, mm-hmm. just wouldn't have known it was the yeah. B52s. Yeah. So yeah, it's been totally fresh for me. And you'll have That's to find wicked. out what I That's think. wicked. <laughs> <laughs> So if you've not been here before, Matt, I'm about to mm. ask you five questions. Uh, the main purpose of those five questions is to help us discover a bit more about the B-52s. But I'm also going to be asking those five questions to Jules from Virginia, which don't say after a couple of beers, Jules from Virginia. Or maybe you can. Jules from Virginia. And she will get one point per correct answer. At five points. And she will be a super fan of the B-52s. Let's get started. Mm. What happens if she's good? If she gets zero, we don't talk about that. Oh, okay. We don't talk about that. If she gets zero, we will uh, we'll cut her out of the, <laughs> of the episode. Oh, we can't broadcast that. We can't broadcast it. Mm, yeah, censored. We'll just beep. We'll just do a twenty-minute beep. Question one, Matt. After signing with Warner Brothers, the members of the B52s pooled their money and bought a house where. What, do you want a city or a country? Uh, well, country's a bit broad, I think. <laughs> uh, it was just as accurate as you can get. As accurate as I want, like the street, the dress. Um, <laughs> they, they, they got a house in New York, didn't they? New York City. Oh, I nearly gave you a point, but you went and you went. And oh, did I ruin it? Foot. Yeah. Oh, it's not New York City, is it? It's not New York City, no. Go on then. It's New York State. It's a place called Lake Marpac. Ooh. Uh, and it's deep in the south of, of New York State in um, Putnam County. Mm, okay. Yeah, it's very much not the city. No, it's it's a, it's the middle of nowhere. Uh, oh. Yeah, absolute middle of nowhere. And um, they... It used to be a country club. It, it, the house was originally a country club. And... It was on a lake. Um, Ricky had a sailboat, actually, that, that sat on the lake, and he used to spend a lot of time out in his sailboat. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, no point. No point, mate. <laughs> Sad times. Yeah. It was, a, it was an interesting move, I think. I think a cool move after your debut album, instead of going out yeah. um, spunking all your money. Yeah, a lot of bands do that, don't they? They, they buy a place and just live there together and just become really creative. Yeah, for different reasons though. Don't, don't I mean a lot of bands do it because they're hiding away to record, but I I get the impression that even though a lot of music was recorded there, I think I get the impression the B52s did it because they were all friends and they wanted to just hang out with their friends and live there. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, can I just say as well, like I'm going to say a lot of nice things about this band. So, yeah, if you disagree with me then tough tough tease. Um, but this is one. This is one of the things I love. This is one of the things I love about them is that they are clearly like best friends, yeah. and they have been since the start. And you see an interview with them now, and they still are, and they're like in their 
late 60s mid 70s and you know they've got such a good relationship it's it's really lovely um yeah it really and, is yeah. and like there's just no there doesn't seem to have been any rifts with them or disagreements like they they they've worked well together there doesn't seem to be one person who's in the front um you know they're a team and you know like they're almost like a family you know so yeah yeah i like i like that a lot about them yeah, I was watching an interview with them from just a couple of years ago where they were talking uh, about how they formed. And they were all, it was like they were all reminiscing together, you know, like yeah. one of them would mention something. Like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember yeah. that party we were at. Like, just, yeah, I, I get that same vibe. Yeah. Yeah. So nice. It's really nice. The house they lived at in Lake Marpac, New York, the, one of their neighbors tried to, opened a, a case against them who was suing them. And I don't, I don't, I don't really understand. Unless you know, do you know why they were being sued? Were they like making too much noise or something? No. So, well, I was gonna. I wondered if you knew anything more about it because I wasn't a hundred percent sure. But um, I'd seen an interview with Cindy and Fred, and they had implied they were being sued. This was the the early. I guess it was the late seventies, early eighties. Mm. Um, they were being sued because they were a bunch of. Uh, unmarried men and women living together. Oh God! All right, very strange, okay. huh? What a weird thing to sue people for. Yeah, like, it definitely sounds living, like that. That was the argument. Living their lives. God. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cindy, in that interview, Cindy had said it was because women and men are living together, but she'd laughed about it, so I wasn't sure it was serious. And then Fred said, "God forbid, individuals who weren't married or family should live together." So yeah, I think that was the reason they were being sued. Wow, that's that's bizarre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think they also uh, they would take a couple of su- substances here and there whilst they lived at that house, uh-huh. um, okay. and they had a they had a video camera that they filmed a lot of stuff on. But the, all that footage is with uh, Keith Strickland. I don't think he's ever released any of it. But maybe one day right. there'll be a there'll be a documentary with loads of uh, unseen footage from the Lake Malpack house. So that's like there, that's probably there. locked away in some some big vault somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Never yeah. open this. Yeah, because then we'll really find out why they were being sued. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was it was super in the middle of nowhere, and Cindy was at that time. Cindy was in a relationship with her. She was in a relationship with Keith Bennett, who then became her husband. And he is not famous. He's worked in advertising, and he he worked in New York. So every day they had one car between the between all of them and their partners. Mm. And they lived like super in the sticks. So every day, Cindy would have to borrow the the family car <laughs> and drive yeah. drive forty five minutes to the nearest town, where he would then hop on a train for over an hour to get into New York every day, God, just so that they could live out in the sticks together, um, having a party time. Wow! But uh, anyway, they got married, so it didn't destroy the relationship. Yeah, I think he was uh, Ricky. I think he was Ricky's guitar tech. Oh, was well. he? Yeah, but that wasn't his main job. But I think that's how they met. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Anyway, I've, I'm fully spent on the Lake Malpack house. I don't have anything else to say about that house, <laughs> other than they sold it eventually. I, don't, I can't remember when, but it, you know, I think they owned it for five or six years, and then they sold it on. Yeah, but that's that's really cool that they can live together and just yeah. get along. But I, I think, I think I've I've heard it. I think I've read it in an interview somewhere that um, they were starting to feel a bit of the a bit claustrophobic and a bit in a sense that they were together too much and there was a lot of tension arising and i think that was around the time that they released mesopotamia right because because that album was just 
they it didn't go according to plan you know they had like 12 songs and they only managed to make six because they just weren't happy Keith said that there was a lot of strain living together yeah well I guess there would be wouldn't they spending that much time with each other mm. yeah I'm sure they had some good house parties though and Kate Pier- I think I'm right in saying Kate then in more recent years she went on to buy a lodge in New York um, like a guest house and she ran a guest house there for quite a long time yes I think she's still going Oh, I think, no, I think she's, oh, she might still have one. Yeah, okay. I think she sold the one, Kate's Ranch or whatever it was called, Kate's Lodge, um, a few years back, but maybe she still has another one, yeah. Mm, yeah. Kate's Love Shack. Yeah, it's her and her and her wife uh, own it together. Oh, right. Oh, I didn't realise she had a wife. Yeah. Uh-huh. That, that yeah, passed me by. There you go. So this was, that they bought the Lake Malpac House after um, signing with uh, Warner Brothers for their debut album. What are your thoughts on the debut album? Uh, I think it's fantastic. I absolutely love it. I mean, there's so many songs on it that are just, uh, that are fabulous. Really, really great. <laughs> I mean, just from start to finish, it's it's fantastic. I think it's like, it is really like a party, you know. Like on their website, it says they're the greatest, the world's greatest party band. And this album is like one big party. Yeah. But it's also very surreal at the same time. It is quite 70 psychedelic. Um, you know, I mean, it's nothing like um, Cosmic Thing or Funplex. It's, it's yeah. very, it's 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 almost like space agey, like sci-fi. You know, and the lyrics are just bonkers. You know, the, the I think they're based a lot of them on Fred's poems that he he wrote when he was at university. And yeah, I, I just I got, I can't fault this album at all. I love it so much. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I probably agree with a lot of what you said. To be honest, I think that um, I think it's a, a slightly more adventurous than their later releases. Like um, you know, Cosmic Thing was obviously the, their biggest hit, mm. and uh, is undeniably um, the closest that they've come to a classic album. Mm. But I do think that um, that debut was a bit more adventurous. It's got um, uh, it's great. You know how I feel about opening opening numbers, and I think mm-hmm. Planet Claire is a is a brilliant opener to yeah. the album. Yeah, um, I think the intro intro to that tune. It's ah, oh, it just builds so much anticipation, and um, it's it's a really clever start to the record. But yeah. that said, I think that Planet Claire actually has an opener. Um, it's almost got a bit of a progressive rock sound to it at times. You know, if you mm. if you added a few more layers of sound on there, it's a bit proggy, and, that, and that's what I mean by adventurous. I think there's quite a few tunes on here that are not necessarily uh, some of their later albums have have definitely nailed down their their sound. And so it's it's more one level. I think I think the 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 um, self titled album has got a few more ups and downs and and different angles to it. I like that. That's a, that's a positive comment. <laughs> There's a video of the Foo Fighters live. They're doing a cover of Planet Claire, and it's so good. Like really heavy riff. Oh, that's cool. And, I'll check that and, out. And Fred joins them on the stage and does the vocals. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> and and Dave Grohl is just he's like the happiest man alive. Like good. That's hilarious. Yeah. Let's um let's skip on to, to question two. Yeah. So question two is oh this is a tough one, mate. Oh. This is a tough one. Question two is who painted the cover art for Bouncing Off the Satellites? This was Kenny Starr. Oh my god. Is this because you knew I was gonna ask a cover art question and the only one that's got a painting on it is <laughs> Bouncing Off the Satellites? Well actually that's not true because they the debut album has got a painting on the front. Oh, is that not a picture? It was a photo which oh, uh, it's like a collage. 
uh, a guy called Tony Wright, who's credited as Sue Absurd, basically painted over. Well, he basically he copied the the photo and painted it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so, looking at it now, it doesn't. Yeah, you're right. I can. I can a bit see of an uncanny it's not necessarily a, a picture. There's, but... there's a bit of an uncanny valley going on there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah kind of, they kind Sharf. of look like Stepford Wives, don't they? Because they've yeah. kind of got like, emotionless faces in them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not quite human. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Kenny Scharf. <laughs> I, I looked him up and his, his, his artwork, it generally involves happy faces with googly eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like everything just got googly eyes on it. That's his thing. Yeah, it's a cool. I mean, it's a cool painting that's been used for the for the cover. But I think it's an odd choice, odd choice for for this album as well. It's just so for the listener who hasn't seen the album cover, it is like a swirl, a colourful swirl with uh, six characters on the outside getting swirled in to this kind of black hole. It's a colourful black hole, but it's kind of sucking everything in. And these six characters, yeah, have googly eyes and grins, uh, weird faces. And then in the middle, it kind of looks like a bunch of atoms, like little green blobs. Have I described mm. that well? <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. But I think, it, but I think it's odd, right? Because um, it's got these weird characters. It's the, f- it's the only album that doesn't feature the, the band on front. Mm. The only studio mm. album that doesn't have the band on front. That's fine. But there's these weird characters around the edge. Now, there's six of them mm. instead of... I mean, there's only five of them in the band, so that I mm. think is weird. That there's six characters. You know, I I thought, oh, they've done characters instead of the picture because mm. of Ricky Wilson's death, and they perhaps didn't want to have a picture of the band on there because they then have to decide, do we put Ricky on or not? And yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So they would put characters, but it's weird. They've got six characters <laughs> instead of five, so I think it's just not thought through. I don't know. It's I think it's cool painting, but I think it's an odd choice for this album cover. Yeah, I'm just looking at it now. Yeah, they are very strange looking. It is it is a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah, you don't quite know what it means. Um, you would have thought it would have more reference to, to Ricky because he passed yeah. away during the recording. I think it was they, they had finished recording already and then he passed away. And so they they promoted the album with a lot of respect um, to Ricky. Mm. But yeah, the, it's, it's, it's a bit of a weird picture isn't it like i don't understand what it means and also what does the name mean bouncing off the satellites is that oh do you know what i've 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 gone a bit primus on uh, on this episode because i've not i've not even tried to understand what the names of songs and albums mean <laughs> because so much of it is like uh, i'm sure they had meanings to them when they did it and they're, they're all in jokes that we'll never understand yeah and maybe there's some some hidden meaning somewhere with all their funny faces mm. yeah maybe um but yeah, as you say, Ricky dies close to the completion of the album. I don't think there were—I could be wrong—but I don't think there were any incomplete tracks. I think all the all the tracks that they'd started were finished, mm. but they did pad out the album with—they uh, padded out the album with one track by Kate Pearson, which was "Housework." That, mm. was, that was written by Kate Pearson for. I really one like. Of, I really like that one. Yeah, it's it's different. It's notably different, I think. But that was that was written by her for a solo project. But they decided to add it to pad out the album. And then the other one that was... Oh, I haven't written it down. There was a second track that was added to pad out the album. And I can't remember what it was. Uh, but yeah, I like I like this album. I like it. It's got... Uh, yeah, it's good. It's, it's definitely... It's, it's notably more mature, I think, than, than the previous mm. releases, I feel. Mm. I think the sound of it. And also some of the... 
some of the musical choices are just just a bit more mature sounding. I don't know yeah. if that was deliberate or just natural. Yeah, I think it feels it feels a lot more pop, like in the in the cosmic thing sense. Mm. Um, like it feels more marketable compared to the the earlier stuff. Yeah, and 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 it it feels it feels really slick as well, like really nice production. Interesting. Um, the the track "Detour Through Your Mind." Have you listened to that one? Yeah, I can't think. Of, I can't think off my head how it goes, but I just do it's, remember that "Detour Through Your Mind" is the one that's got the the backwards vocal from Fresh. That's Mind, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I found this. I found this actually played properly. So, at the end of the track, Fred Schneider is saying backwards, "I buried my parakeet in the backyard." Oh no, you're playing the record backwards. Watch out, you <laughs> might ruin your needle. Um, but it's it, but the whole thing's backwards. So it's like, and you can find it played properly on YouTube, and he sounds really spaced out, like he's had yeah. loads of uh, I don't know morphine or something. <laughs> Whoa, man! Yeah, yeah, that's and cool. um, and girl from Ipanema goes to Greenland is one of my favorite B fifty two tracks. It's a, it's an awesome tune. Yeah, it's a it's, really it's, awesome tune. Like you've got to turn it up, and it sounds. I think it sounds a bit like a Bjork song, you know, or like a Sugar Cube song. With I that, think that um, the, the chorus. The, yeah, exactly. As I was going to say, I think that the, um, yeah, the way that the, the chorus is is delivered, the the choice of the, the the way that she's chosen to deliver that melody is just so good, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. good. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really love the way she sings that. Yeah, and the and the bass groove as well. It's it's absolutely, you know, mighty. You know, you got to turn it up really loud. And and again, again, uh, "Girl from Ipanema" is just a, a much more mature sounding, straighter edge tune than the earlier stuff. It's not so, mm. it's not so. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how to describe it other than the word mature. Like it's it's not so off the wall as, as some of the earlier stuff. It's a it's a smart, it's a smart, well written tune. Like it's uh, it's a bit more. Te- I don't know if technical is the right word. Is, do you know what I mean? I think so. Yeah, I think so. If I'm more calculated. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Again, another album that has got a great opener. I think Summer of Love is a brilliant tune to yeah. have as the opening number. Yeah, really good. I really like the tone that that sets for the whole album. I think that... Okay, I'm going to come up with my first... Uh, <laughs> maybe only, actually, but my, my first negative point. We've done pretty well. I've not said anything negative, And you know what I could be like. Mm, yeah, um, grumpy old bastard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Fred Schneider's vocals are not my uh, not my bag, unfortunately. And I think that his his voice can often, for me, really change the sound of a track. Mm. Can take this this kind of seriousness out of a tune. And I think for a lot of people, that's not a slur. That's that's pro- possibly a positive point. But for me, mm. I can be really into a tune, and then Fred's vocals come in, and it just adds this this jokey tongue in cheek quality to it, which mm. I, which um, which I personally don't like. Um, and so it's for Summer of Love as the opening number and it is just a great tune anyway mm. you know he doesn't in fact he doesn't come into this album until like the third or fourth track yeah I think maybe the fourth track on the album is the first time you hear Fred's voice I mean maybe he's, mm. he's disappearing somewhere in the mix but like he's not prominent on um, mm. on any track until uh, Detail Through Your Mind because yeah he's not on Girl from Ipanema is he and he's no. not in housework so and and so yeah, so I think that helps me with this album. That's that's another reason why I like it so much because I can get deeper into the album before before that one aspect of their music that that doesn't click with me so well comes into it. Well, well, what do you think of his vocals in the in the earlier albums? 
Uh, I also don't love it. It's it's my it's my least favorite part of the B52's music. Okay, okay, because because yeah. I guess there's that that play you know of call and response and how he in- interjects between mm. the the singing. Yeah. You know, with these little things, and uh, it's yeah, I can understand some people might not like it, but I think that's that's one of their very distinctive qualities. It's definitely a, a trademark of theirs. Like it's yeah, yeah, yeah. For it sure. is what it is, Fred. I'm sorry, mate. Um, it's nothing against nothing against Fred. He's a lovely guy, but uh, it's it's my least favorite aspect of his music. That, that's all. And he's it's, got an insane insane amount of charisma as well. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely, can't take that from him. Just skipping back a little bit, because we talked about Housework, was a, a track by Kate Pearson um, mm. that she was developing for a solo project. I mean, she didn't release a solo album until 2015, so I mean, she was working on that for, for a long, long time. Mm. But um, fun fact for you, do you know who her 2015 album, her only solo album, actually, do you mm. know who that was uh, co-written slash written uh, and co-produced by? You do know, don't you? Because I kind of, I kind of told you a few days ago. Um, did you? Oh, um, I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, really? Tell me? Yeah. Well, I said, uh, I mentioned her, Sia. Oh, yeah. You, well, you mentioned Sia. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. She gets around no Sia. She does a lot behind the scenes, doesn't she? But yeah, the, the, I think every track on the album was co-written by Sia, and the, the album was was fully produced by Sia as well. Does it sound like a Sia album? It doesn't, but you know, I haven't listened to the whole album. I've only listened to the, like the first three tracks, and I and I and I listened to it for that reason, really, because <laughs> I wanted to hear because I like a mm. lot of Sia's songs, and I wanted to kind of hear if if they were obviously Sia songs. But it doesn't really sound like her. But I think that I think that that's because Kate Pearson's got a quite a distinctive voice, and not just a distinctive voice, but also a distinctive delivery. The way mm, that she, she does the way that she delivers the, the, the vocals and so that could definitely change the way that it was in, perhaps intended by by Sia's writing but anyway yeah, yeah. just oh. an interesting fact interesting yeah well, there you go you ready for question three how do you figure doing well I don't know really I mean yeah. I thought I I thought I'd, I'd I'd smash this but I'm already I'm already only got 50% so. 50% this is very good mate very good question three is other than Keith Strickland, who plays guitar on Vision of a Kiss? Is it is it is it Nile Rogers? Yes, it's Nile Gregory <sighs> Rogers Jr. Oh yes. That was a guess, but it's because I knew he produced some of the album and Nile Rogers always well he often plays guitar on stuff that he's produced. Yeah, he gets around, so doesn't he? Intellig- in it was an educated guess. I mean, you couldn't make this kind of music for seven studio albums, and Nile Rodgers doesn't pop up at least once. <laughs> I know, right? You you just you just do it out of common courtesy, wouldn't you? Like, Absolutely. Oh, just play, come on. Oh, Nile, he gets everywhere, doesn't he? They've got to love him, though. Got to love him. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, he co- he co-produced the album. And he, I think he produced half the tracks, and then the other half were produced by pff, I haven't written their name down. Um, um, Don was. Don that was? sounds right. Yeah, because they recorded in two different places, I think, didn't they? Mm, um, yes. So Nile yes. Rogers produced half in one place, and Don was re- recorded in the other place. But, but yeah, there you go. Yeah. It, um, it wasn't Nile's first appearance on a B52s album because he, mm, he Cosmic Thing, Cosmic Thing. Yeah, he co-produced the album. And he played guitar on. Do you know what t- song he played guitar on on Cosmic Thing? Oh, I can't remember. Topaz. Topaz. I thought it was going to be Topaz. Yeah. There mm-hmm. you go. 
Yeah. Very good. Nile Rogers is the man for show. Oh, he is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Love him so much. Yeah. Genius. Just speaking about producers quickly, this, this band didn't have a lasting relationship with, or just generally long-term relationships with producers at all really like i don't know why that is you know it's probably a fairly boring reason for whatever it's probably nothing exciting but it's just something notable i guess the first studio records are produced by chris blackwell who well matt who is chris blackwell (laughs) funny you should ask he was the founder of island records he was yeah still alive 84 years old nice he's got such an interesting wiki page we we should do an interlude on chris blackwell Mm. I got really mm. lost in his in his wiki page a little bit. Oh really? Gosh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So apparently he he didn't want to do any overdubs or additional effects on on the debut album. It was all just bare bones because he wanted to show people this is how the B fifty twos sound live. So it's an interesting way of doing it and, and I think in, in that interview that you mentioned, that was a couple of years ago, Keith said that he thought it sounded like shit, <laughs> the first album. He just, he just couldn't believe that that was what they released. Yeah, I'm just checking, I'm just Googling now, actually, uh, when Island Records were founded, because... Mm, 59. Yeah, but 59, he was selling stuff out the back of his car, wasn't he? Or, or was it like a proper business by 59? Oh, well, I mean, at least the 60s, yeah, because it says by 62, he was re- he'd released... Two albums on Island Records and twenty six singles. So I mean, by the time this album was released, this this B fifty two's debut album, it's like mm. seventy eight, wasn't it? Seventy eight, seventy nine. So yeah. Island were already established by that point. I wonder how yeah. common it was that Chris went. <laughs> Chris went. Yep, I'll produce this one. <laughs> yeah, this this bizarre um, band that are singing about lobsters. Yeah, I wonder if he just loved it and he thought, yeah, I want to be involved in this because he can't have he can't have been that involved in. They must have been releasing loads of stuff on Island at that point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, they this isn't an Island album, is it? It was just it, yeah, it was released on Island in Europe. Oh, in, in Europe, okay. Yeah, so they were on Warner Brothers in the Americas and an Island in Europe. Yeah, yeah, weird one. Interesting, interesting choice. Chris Blackwell, fun fact: he appeared in uh, Doctor No, the James Bond movie, ah. as henchman jumping off dock into water. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool that's his only credit on imdb oh well you gotta start somewhere haven't you yeah he could be the next james bond at <laughs> uh, 84 <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh, well you never know <laughs> uh so good stuff just to follow on from my uh album openers <clears throat> yeah for me it's not a great opener on good stuff it's not very good stuff tell it? it like tell it like ti it ti is I don't. I what what like does that it. mean? What does it mean? I don't know. What, I don't know what that means. Yeah, I tried to look it up and I can't find anything. Tell it like it. Ti. It'll tell it like it. Tis. It's just a. That's what I, I thought they were saying. It's a, but, it's yeah, a clever it way of spelling it. I don't know. I don't I, yeah, I, I don't like it as, a, as an opener. Unfortunately, it's got the, the repeated chorus is not because um, it's because it's Fred's vocals on in the chorus, mm. and so it's not kind of sung. It's his kind of. Um, Mm. Uh, there's a word for it, isn't it? It's like a German word for it. Sprechgesang. Yes, and and when I first saw that written down, I thought, oh, are they just giving a word to something that doesn't need a word? But there, but it does deserve it does deserve its own noun. I think the way that he sings, like that style, because it is singing, but it's very, it's, it has got a very spoken word quality to it. Yeah, isn't it? it's not quite rapping, is it? Yeah. It's, it's very. It's, but it's, it's also not of... talking. It, it is definitely singing. No. 
it's right on the line between singing and talking. Yeah. But that's where he he came from musically. He was doing he was performing poetry mm. along with a guitar, I think. While he was studying at university, he did creative writing. And he made he, he wrote poems, which a lot of them became lyrics to these songs. And he was using this technique along with a guitar. Interesting, I didn't know that. Hmm. Yeah, but um but he's a lot more prominent in good stuff because Cindy's not around, so yeah, it's. Yeah. I'd say good stuff is. It's probably my least favorite record because there's no Cindy. I think she, her vocals mm. uh, are are sorely missed, sorely yeah. missed on this album, big time. Definitely, definitely. Go but it's, it's. I mean, I I still enjoy it. It's it's my least favorite album, but I I still I still would listen to it. You know, I'd put it on, and and it does sound. It, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of great music on there, um, but Cindy and. Kate singing together it's just it's it's amazing it's one of the things I love about this band yeah look I, I think I don't want to be too harsh about Kate's about um, Kate's abilities but I think she she's great at um, providing harmonies for Cindy's vocals but yeah. I, I think her voice is just a bit too it's just lacks lacks the depth to hold uh, lead vocals um, a little bit I think mm, I would disagree um, and you are welcome to my friend. Yes, thank you. I think she's. I think she's fantastic. It's just that it doesn't sound quite like the B fifty twos that I love. Mm. If that makes sense. And also, I feel like a lot of the songs they're not very catchy. It's quite hard to grab hold of them. Yeah. You know, on a on a on a on strong melodies, it it feels a little bit, a bit like a long jam session. You know. I agree that it's it's not very B fifty twosy. Although I would say that Revolution Earth is probably my mm. favourite song on that album. And mm. and I would agree that, yeah, Revolution Earth does not sound like a B-52 song at all. <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. um, but it's a great tune, that one. One interesting aspect of Revolution Earth is Fred's backing vocal on this is properly mm. sung, which is quite mm. rare for him, but it's like he, he properly sings that. Mm. Um, mm. Not not so much his his talking vocal. It's it's a real, yeah, it's, it's proper yeah. singing, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what else to say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. How do you feel about the album cover for Good Stuff? It's very strange. I mean, I thought Keith looks a bit like a genie in the back. And yeah. Fred, Fred's got a crystal. Kate's got... Has she got a crystal as well? I don't know. But they're, they're, in, they're in a magical pool. And it looks, very, it looks very mystical, a little bit Eastern. I think this is referencing the video for Good Stuff as well, which, which includes these costumes. Oh, right. I haven't seen the video for Good Stuff. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. Let's go to question four. We're going to come back to videos. Okay. Question four. Other than humans and a goat, name (laughs) an animal that features in the video for Love Shack. Oh, my God. (laughs) I was not expecting (laughs) Oh, wow. Oh, come on. You must have watched that video a hundred times like ages ago like oh really <laughs> yeah uh did you think if i was gonna do a video question there's no way it would be a love shack video no i didn't think that i just thought that it's it's i just wasn't paying really much attention to the animals in it <laughs> can you give me a clue like like what kind of animal it could be like what? i know you can't can you no, no. I, I, um, I can tell you where it is in, is the, it, in the video is it a zebra 
No, is it? I mean, unless there's a zebra in there that I've missed. Yeah, there is. There's definitely a zebra that you've missed. <laughs> I don't think there's a zebra in it. As far as I'm aware, there's only one other animal other than humans and goats. It's a dog. It's not. It's a duck. Oh, a duck. Okay. It's yeah. a big white duck. Oh, okay. Fine. And it yeah. appears briefly before they enter the love shack. And there's no, there's no reference as to you know, why there's a big white duck there. It's not even like it's not even in shot. It's like the camera just goes to another shot of a white duck, and then it goes back to, <laughs> back All to right. them walking into the love shack. It's so it doesn't weird. even make any doesn't even make any sense. Yeah, doesn't make any sense. Uh, at first, I was gonna guess a whale because they talk about a whale in the lyrics. Oh, but, a good one, good one. But then, but then, how could they fit a whale in a shack? Oh, you just thought it through, didn't you? <laughs> just have a massive tank. <laughs> yeah. So it's been so it's oh. been years since you've seen the Love Shack video. I guess so. Yeah, I just haven't really paid much attention. You know, I mean, well, not. I just it's didn't not think best, it was. It's not the best video in the world. It's, it's not. It's, it's not a very strong. Yeah, exactly. There's not much to say about it. I don't think it's people having a great time. You know, there's mm. there's RuPaul in there as well, dancing. I didn't realise that. I discovered that yesterday, and. Mm. Um, in fact, I discovered it on my call with uh, with Jules, the super fan. So uh, you might yeah. hear me surprised by it in in twenty mm. minutes' time. But, yeah, <laughs> I, I watched it again today and and picked out RuPaul. Yeah, yeah, but a lot of their a lot of their videos are wacky. You know, uh, in, generally involve partying and dancing. <laughs> yeah, give me give me some of your favourites because I must admit I haven't watched many of their videos. I watched a couple, but the couple that I've watched, and I probably couldn't name which ones they are now. They they were very much uh, like the band playing, you know, funky, but the, just the yeah. band playing, not like a mm. story or anything. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them are pl- just just them playing, like tell it tell it like it. Ti is they're just playing in a big apartment and having a good time. Good stuff. There, Kate's in a jungle. Fred Fred is like a genie, really, and there's lots of bubbles at a party. I'll oh, see that one. I need to watch then. Uh, the song is that you, Modine, from from Good Stuff. It's about astral projection, and so the band start astral projecting and just flying around, going, "Whoa, oh my god!" Some of their videos, I'm not even sure if they're official videos or if they're just footage of them playing on TV. You know? Yeah, like, that's that's what I found. Yeah. Like what was it? Give me back my man. I think that was from a Dutch program called Top Pop, but it's just them dancing on stage and looking super cool. The video for Girl from Ipanema, <laughs> I was watching that like, what is going on? Have you seen that? I don't think I have, no. It's it's incredible. So Fred, just as a summary, Fred, I think he's like, he gets some kind of magic power and he starts zapping everybody with electric fingers. <laughs> and then Kate eats some toast and then she becomes a floating head. And because she's got a massive wig... Her head it looks like a spaceship. It's just flying around. She's going, wee! And they're all dancing, having fun, like goofballs. Cindy's got a fruit hat. And Keith's dressed as Santa. <laughs> so there you go. Well, that's probably my favourite video by them. But a lot, of their, a lot of their videos are just them having fun, you know, in clubs, on stage. Yeah. Song for a Future Generation. They're performing in front of lots of bubbles and then they're swinging on swings made of flowers deadbeat club that's got quite a cool video they're, they're, they're playing in a in a club but it's, it's all sepia 
very cool. Cindy's just like lying down with these massive eyes looking very hypnotic and, and Michael Stipe's in the video for some reason. Oh really? Well he's he's from Athens as well. Oh, right. So maybe that's why they just like come on down. And uh, yeah, there's a little link there, like because because Kate Pearson was on Shiny Happy People. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah, you know you know that song. Yeah, of by course. REM. Yeah, course. she's the one singing along. Interesting. Yeah, that's random. But they do they like they've all well all of them apart from Keith. I don't know anything that Keith has done on the side, but they've all had side projects mm. and they've all kind of appeared mm. in one way or another on on somebody else's song or just like mm. uh, they seem to they seem to be uh pretty friendly with everyone this is this is us talking about music videos music videos <laughs> yeah we've got off gone off piste a little bit haven't we, <laughs> we let's side go, projects let's shall go, we talk about some more side projects definitely yeah let's go question five here's a side project for you Ooh, hello. oh god now question five is interesting because i wrote a question five and then the day before speaking to our super fan, I changed it because I thought that's too harsh. Oh, boy. So you can go for it. Do you want harsh or do you want easy? Well, obviously I want easy. <laughs> unless okay. unless I, I get extra points for getting the harsh one. Well, to be fair, mate, you're doing pretty well, aren't you? You got Noel Rogers. That was one point. You got uh, Bouncing Off the Satellites. That's two points. Okay, two points out of four. That's not bad. So up to you. Do you want, do you want easy? Or do you want respect for getting a, a hard one? I want to try to do the hard one. Uh, okay. You might surprise yourself on the hard one. Okay, let's try and do the hard one. Okay. What was the name of the side project Kate, Cindy and Keith were involved in that had a song featured on Japanese TV show Snake Man Show? Oh, God. No, I cannot. I cannot do that. Do, let me do the easy one. <laughs> <laughs> What's Which... the easy one? Which 90s Nickelodeon cartoon featured a theme tune performed by the B-52s? Rocco's Modern Life. You nailed it. Yes. There you go. Because <laughs> I used to watch that, and I remember I remember that theme tune. And then I found out about this online, and I was like, oh, it's them. Of course it's them. Yeah, I mean, I... I used to watch Rocco's Modern Life as well, but not like religiously. And I couldn't have, I couldn't have sung the theme tune to you at all. Mm. But then after discovering this week that it was by the V-52s, I went back and listened to it. Mm. And oh my God. I mean, it's obviously <laughs> the V-52s, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's the most B-52s song I've ever heard in my life. Rocco's Modern Life. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I like. I love the fact that they really do. I mean, there's some exceptions. There are some albums that that slip off a little bit, but for the most part, they've kept such a distinctive sound through their whole career. I mean, e- even even some of the tracks and, and and albums that are less like them than than others, you can listen to Funplex and then the mm. the the, uh, the eponymous album, and mm-hmm. there's no there's no way that you could ever not realize that's the same band. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Also, the 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 Flintstones soundtrack it definitely yep. sounds like them. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and I think you know my criticisms for for Fred Schneider's voice previously. One quality he has got is that I mean it's it's undeniably Fred Schneider, isn't it? So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as soon as you hear his voice, there's no way you're listening to anything other than the B52s. Oh yeah, you know what? What other Nickelodeon related thing they were part of? No, I do not. Uh, the the Rugrats movie. Oh, did they do music for that? Well, kind of. So the Rugrats movie, which I haven't actually seen, but I've seen 
this particular song. Uh, it has a scene where there's lots of babies waking up in, I think it's like a maternity ward or some kind of science lab. <laughs> babies are waking up and the babies are singing a song called This World Is Something New To Me. Uh, some of the singers include Patti Smith and Lenny Kravitz. Wait, so the, ba- the babies are singing, but it's got the yeah. voice of Paddy Smith and Lenny Kravitz? Yeah, including... Yeah, yeah, as, as some of them, yeah. Wow. There's some others. Oh, yeah, and Beck. Oh, Beck's yeah. Beck's there. Fife Dog. You know Fife Dog. I don't think I do know Fife Dog. Sounds like somebody you know. Does he? Does he? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a Hertfordshire boy, does he? <laughs> there, there, there are certain parts when the when Cindy and Kate are singing as two babies singing in harmony and Fred Schneider has probably got the most most lines in it he's like this one of this random babies this random baby's got like a little tuft of ginger hair and it's it's obviously Fred Schneider yeah it's it's hilarious <laughs> like like there's no getting around it like oh there's Fred Schneider in in Rugrats another soundtrack that includes the B52s is Pokemon the movie 2000 no way they recorded a song called The Chosen One, and uh, I've only just discovered it right now. Proper 80s vibe. Matt, we've come to the end of our questioning. Is there any mm. album that we haven't talked about that you would like to talk about? Because I know you're very passionate about the B-52s. I, was, I would say I was pleasantly surprised by Funplex. I was expecting something really overly produced, sort of modern poppy shit, and actually I really enjoyed it, listening to it. Yeah, I don't it's, think it's, it's that. It's not that far off their earlier stuff, really. No, no, it definitely feels like the B fifty twos, and but they're still trying something new, which I really like. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I um, also Mesopotamia. That's an interesting listen. Uh, I'm going to blow your mind now. I haven't listened to Mesopotamia. Yeah, it's just, it's an EP, mm-hmm. and it was produced by David Byrne, the of Talking Heads. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's. It's weird. It's super strange. It was meant to be a full-length album because there was lots of tension with Burn and and amongst the band. They only managed to do six songs. Yeah, it's 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 quite experimental. There's lots of there's lots of horns. There's lots of synths. Lots of percussion. Lots of world sounds. I don't like the term world sounds because like we're all living the world, but you know what I mean, like. Mm-hmm. Sounds that are unusual for the B fifty twos. Sure. There's there's some really funky music on there, but I, I really could not get into it much at all. Yeah, I'll give it a listen before um before moving on to our ne- surprise next episode. We didn't even talk about Wild Planet. <laughs> what do you think of Wild Planet? You missed out a whole album. I would say the reason we didn't talk about Wild Planet is because it's probably not made as big an impression on me as some of the other albums that we have mentioned. Is it uh, what what about you? I'd say it's almost as good as the debut. Okay. It's very it's very similar in my mind. <laughs> it, they they kind of come as like a like a pair. Yeah, it is very similar sounding to the debut. Yeah. Yeah, and it's got some great tunes on it. Give me back my man is one of my favorite songs by them and Private Idaho as well. <laughs> Keith Lorraine is quite fun. All right. Well, sorry um sorry Wild Planet for missing you out. Um, yeah, I think we've covered covered the rest of it. <laughs> so you're a you're a three out of five kind of guy. Okay, let's that's not bad. find out. It's not bad at all, mate. It's uh, very respectable. 
It's not. It's not like typo negative. What did you do for typo negative? I got five out of five. Dude. Did you? Oh God! Sorry, yeah. you've got you've gone and got it tattooed on your arm, haven't you? And I forgot I about have. it already. I have. Sorry, I've got man. a little certificate on my wall and framed and everything. <laughs> that's that's really sad because I didn't give you a certificate. So that means you you've made a certificate no, yourself. <laughs> I made it myself. Yeah. <laughs> Good man. Well, let's cut over to um, Jules from Virginia and find out how well she knows the P52s. My my love of the B-52s began all the way back in 1979. I was six years old. I remember that my brother had a birthday and he was given a couple of records. And he didn't like the records that he was gifted. So rather than give them to his little bratty sister, I fished him out of the trash can. And I... I First time I heard Rock Lobster, I knew that this was like, this was my jam. Um, and I had no problem playing with playing Rock Lobster with Strawberry Shortcake and Holly Hobby. And, and had you heard the B-52s before then or you just uh, liked the look of it? No, I, I had not heard of them. And my first exposure to them was the, the first album. The Rock Lobster is what caught my attention. And so since then, it's not it's not waned at all. Your your love for the B fifty twos, you've continued to. No, no. Forty some odd years later, I am still rocking to the B fifty twos. Literally, almost if it's not an album, it's a song a day. And when was the first time you saw them? The first time I saw them live was summer of nineteen ninety, Birmingham, Alabama. And I can't even remember the name of the venue, but it was in July, July 1990 with the Cosmic Thing Tour was my first time seeing them live. But since then, I have seen them live more than 20 times because prior to COVID, I had a 20 year run where I literally saw them annually. I even had like a pair of concert shorts that I wore every summer to see the B-52s and they actually dry rotted and I had to pitch them out. <laughs> you're definitely, the, you're the first person we've spoken to that's had concert shorts. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the two, um, the two big indicators of a super fan is, uh, first of all, have you met any of them? I actually have. Um, summer of 1994. Um, I, crazy moment. I had a, a difficult day at work. I was, I was young back then. I was, I was working for Kmart. They threw me in the layaway department. And I came home and I sat in a chair and my stepfather had come home from work and the phone rang. And he picked up the phone and he said, it's for you. It's somebody named Sue. And I knew as soon as he said Sue, it was Sue 52, Sue Sereni from the B-52's fan club. So I talked with her briefly on the phone and she hooked me up with tickets to see the B-52s in Atlanta, Georgia at Six Flags. And that was my opportunity to meet them. And they were all fantastic. I And, and Cindy was the best. Looking back on it, Cindy was like, you drove eight hours. Hope you have a safe trip home. That was that, that was awesome. And if I could get the chance to meet them again, things would be different. Because, I mean, I've actually, I've grown up listening to the B-52s. They've impacted my life. And it's not just the music. It's 
it's it's a lot of what they've contributed to my growth, my knowledge, my thirst for knowledge, the spiritual journey I'm walking on. It's just they've impacted me in so many ways other than just great music. So what were the mechanics of the of the B-52s fan club at that point? Well, the fan club had evolved over time and I honestly didn't join the fan club until like the cosmic the cosmic thing era. Every every opportunity I got when they had their newsletter come out, I was such a fan that I wanted to get, because that's back in the day, this is before computers really took off. So to get my information, what I would do is I would get just a regular white envelope and I had some oil crayons and I used to like do the, the shading, like the cosmic thing cover where I would start off with red and I would do like the rainbow and I would blend them in. So by the time you got to the end of the, the envelope, it was purple. And because my envelopes were so bright and colorful, I always was probably one of the first run to get stuff out because it's like, there's so many white envelopes and there's like only one that's colorful. So yeah. that was my, that was my little, my little way of keeping up with what's going on on the inside because without, without computers, I mean, I had to get clever. I had to get creative to figure a way how to keep, how to keep things most current. And even and it was great when they actually came out in the mid ninety mid to late mid to late nineties and they had the a one nine hundred number where you would actually call and you could get tour dates and you can get information, which I thought was pretty cool. I feel like the fan club communities of, of uh, in this day and age it's not just not the same, is it? With with the internet and you have you have groups on message boards and things, but what you had back in those days in the eighties and nineties and even the early noughties with fan clubs, it was just so much purer and. Oh, yeah. Seriously. I mean, after coming home after a a long day of school when I mean, I I'm old enough to look back and realize that I was goth when goth before I was pre goth. There was no like there was like no way to like label me. So it's like I fit in, but I didn't fit in. I had friends, but I didn't have real friends. So it was just bizarre looking back on it. And it's and that's when I really got into Wild Planet and Mesopotamia those days. Because there were messages in there, especially songs like There's a Moon in the Sky. I mean, some of the lyrics are There are thousands of others like you. And with that it's like, wow, I can't I can't wait to meet all these other people that are like me. The other big indicator of uh, of super fandom that that we've learned over the over the seasons is, uh, do you have any B fifty twos tattoos? I do not have any B fifty twos tattoos. The reason why I honestly don't have one is because I can't decide of a design to get because I like all of their songs. I love all the albums and each. The thing about listening to the B fifty twos, as long as I have. There are so many wonderful elements to the band that you might listen once and you might focus on the harmony. You might listen another time and you might focus on on the guitar. You might listen again. You might focus on the drums and hear the harmonies. And so even these songs are timeless and they're classic because every time I listen, I always focus on something and I find another element of the song that I've never like I can't believe I haven't stumbled on this before. Brilliant. Well, I've got 
five questions for you to find out your level of fandom. Although I don't think there's any doubt here that you're a super fan. <laughs> but we'll, we'll see how you do. Now, I usually, I, I like to pride myself in the questions that I've written. I think these are pretty tough, um, but you've been a fan for a long time, so. Okay, I'm in the zone. Fire, fire, fire at least one right now. All right, so starting with question one. After signing with Warner Brothers, the members of the B-52s pulled their money and bought a house where? Well, I know that they all lived lived in New York. Yeah. Do you know where in New York? I mean, New York State. Probably close to the Catskills. It's Lake Maopac. It's in Putnam. Putnam is the county. It's if I look at a map of New York State, it's very far in the south. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the point. <laughs> oh. Feeling generous already on, on question one. Feeling generous. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I met I met you in the middle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got New York, and um, and that is what they did. I mean, they obviously weren't from New York, and they they pulled their money together and went and bought a house in New York. Yeah, yeah, very good, good start. Do you have any any knowledge of what they were doing in Lake Marpack, New York? I can speculate, but it's probably not anything that's radio friendly because I know mm. if I was hanging around my friends all the time, making music and singing, having a good time, I'm. I'm just going to leave it clean and say on that one. <laughs> living the, living the Pro- dream, really, weren't they? Living the dream. Yeah, absolutely living the dream. I saw an interview with Cindy and she said that their their plan apparently was investment. They didn't want to blow all their money. So they thought, let's let's buy a place and um, kind of invest that money into a property. But that might have just been her talking in hindsight when in actuality they probably just wanted to have a good time. We may never know, but it is what it is. <laughs> okay, strong start. Question two. Here, this, is a, this is a tough one. You're either going to know it or you're not. Question two is, who painted the cover art for Bouncing Off the Satellites? Uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember. But why am I thinking Warhol? No, it's not. It's a weird painting, though. It's, well, I mean, guys... it, 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 it is. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I clearly didn't get that one, but no, tell me more about it. Yeah, it's you either know or you don't. The guy's name is Kenny Scharf, but I think it's a really weird, uh, I don't understand the cover up for Bouncing Off the Satellites. I don't know why they chose that. Um, and it's a, it's obviously a break from their normal look. I don't really have much of an opinion. I like it. I, I mean, it, it, it's definitely like you're, like you just said, it's a break from, from their, other studio albums um they were on the cover of the everybody knows it as a yellow album the first album the b-52s and then wild planet was them with the red and i like the the cover of mesopotamia the whole little egyptian vibe i like i like that album cover a lot and then the thing about bouncing off the satellites that album cover it's the only one that's like illustrated it's drawn and then you go to cosmic thing which is epic cover um for for me i mean with my whole and i still every now and then will just like i did my fan club envelopes i will still label spice jars and stuff all fancy like that and then the good stuff the good stuff they went back to the cover themselves on the cover and even with funplex so, I mean, the album covers that should stand out 
would seem to be bouncing off the satellites because it's the one that's uniquely different than the yeah. others. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, there we go. Kenny Scharf. Give him some publicity there. Nick, good job, Kenny. <laughs> so question three. This is a this is a good stuff question. Other than Keith Strickland, who plays guitar on Vision of a Kiss? Oh, uh, and you would think that I would know this one because I spent all weekend listening to the Good Stuff album. Well, I mean, I'm 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 thinking back to the days. I know Pat Irwin was with them during the Cosmic Thing days, um, and I'm trying to guitar. Uh, Tracy Warmworth. I know she was popular then. So you you've picked some really good questions. Oh, that's what I like to hear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So lay it on me. It was Noel Rogers. Ah. Oh, yeah, you oh, could have known. Longer. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> everybody, everybody, walk the dinosaur. How did I not know that? I know, and it's like it, it's funny Noel Rogers because he's he's you know he's such a legend, but at the same time. He's just, he's been on everything, hasn't he? He's... Yeah, I mean, wasn't he with Sheik? With Sheik? Yeah, he started In the with disco Sheik, days, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he started with Sheik, and then since then, he's just gone on to produce and, and feature on, you know, anything that sounds slightly funky or soulful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he... again, you have picked good questions. Oh, good. Good. This is what I like to hear. Well, one out of three, it's not, it's not zero out of three. And question four... Well, question four and five could be the ones. Question four is, other than humans and a goat, name an animal that features in the video for Love Shack. An animal? It's been, it's been a hot minute since I've seen the Love Shack video. And I, I remember the goat. I remember the humans, the animal. <laughs> I mean, I don't humans. know. I don't know if you want to, if you want to count RuPaul as an animal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I I appreciate Love Shack, and it's awesome live, but for videos, it's like, uh, again, I mean, and it amazes me how how musicians, I I understand from a fan from a fan aspect, where listening to the same song, it's like again, again, again. Oh, yeah. But when you're when you're on stage and you're live and you're performing it's like oh yeah it's love shack again because it's different every time you do it mm. i mean i can imagine that musicians would feed off the energy from the crowd and the crowd is what is what keeps it going and so i mean therefore live i never get tired of listening to love shack live but every now and then i do confess that if it's on the radio it's like i've heard it today gotta skip it <laughs> Yeah, no, I understand that. Sorry, Kate, Fred, Cindy, Keith. I still love you. <laughs> well, the other animal that they they chucked in the video is a white duck. And that's right. I see it. I, I, I totally, now that you bring it up, <laughs> I remember. Oh, dear. It's like the, the video is very strange because they've, they've put these weird, weird little bits in it with the goat and with the duck. But then the vast majority of the video is just them playing in the house. There's no, there's no other story. Yeah, I mean, it. It, it, it's it's the the Hawaiian Haley, which was an actual place that that was like a love shack. Unfortunately, that had burnt down. 
Oh right. From 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 what I remember from years ago. And did you that, know yeah. that they they actually got there they they formed the band drinking drinking a drink a flaming volcano at a chinese restaurant <laughs> i didn't know it was a chinese restaurant no but you want to hear something like really really bizarre you know with covid yeah. and everything a lot of people have had to like shift how they do things and myself included i actually i missed out on getting tickets i don't have any yet for the 40th anniversary but I was transitioning and I moved in and I, I landed a new job that morning, my first day on the job, brand new hire, don't even have an employee clock number or anything. So I get in the car and what are the odds that I, I, I hear rock lobster on Cirrus 30 on Cirrus XM. I flip over to the nineties and I hear Rome and then when that's done, I flip over to the 80s and I hear Love Shack. And then wow. the craziest thing that happened, the craziest thing that happened that day is I'm handed my new employee number and my employee number, I'm not kidding you, is Kate's birthday, Fred's birthday, and my life path number. Wow. What's the sign, do you think? What, why, is, why are you getting given that I, sign? Just that you're on the right path. I i have i have no idea i mean of all the millions of numbers that a computer could have generated those were the numbers that i was assigned question five is which 90s nickelodeon cartoon featured a theme tune by the rocko's modern life <laughs> rocko's modern life there you go <laughs> there you go two out of five very good cool Two out of five is is respectable, you know. It's not they're tough questions, as you said. Yeah, I mean, there's so much, not, and I didn't. And to be fair, I knew that I was going to be chatting with you for a solid week. I didn't like do any like deep dives or anything. This is just information that I've retained for all for all these years. Yeah, well, anything more than that would have been considered cheating. So, uh, just just cool. very quickly for anyone listening who doesn't listen to B-52s or doesn't know their music that well, how would you sum it up and get people interested? They've been labeled as a kitsch band, but they're, they're so much more. I mean, I have grown up listening to the B-52s. I appreciate every aspect, the harmony, the percussion, the drums, everything all rolled together. And now as I'm aging and I'm gaining wisdom and knowledge um for me there is a lot of personal positivity in their music i was just like listening to um the good stuff album over the weekend breezin what a fantastic message give and let live love and be loved i don't need a reason i'm just breezin and then like tell it like it ti is um don't upset the balance of your nature. Make the jump when the coast is clear. Reach the level of reach the level above your fears. There is a lot of inspiration in in their music. If you just if you can focus, if you if you have if you have the talent to fish it out, because you'll get lost in the drums, you'll get lost in the harmonies, you'll get lost in the guitar, and it's just the B fifty twos are much more than just a basic garage band they're 
they need to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They deserve it. No, that's well, you've sold it to me. You've sold it to me. I, uh, I really appreciate your time. And uh, it's been absolutely fantastic talking to you. Yeah, if you ever want to talk to B-52s again, Chris, look me up. You know how to get a hold of me. Yeah, thanks, Jules. That was um, that was great. Brilliant. Yeah, huge fan. Wicked. Yeah, mega fan. And and two out of five is uh, is respectable. It's it's very respectable. It's not zero out of five, is it? And um, <laughs> I do write tough questions. Well, you do write. Yeah, you write tough questions about ridiculous things that like like the animals in in videos. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not paying attention to the animals, what are you paying attention to? To the to the music, dude. Yeah, I know, but you you gotta you gotta see my questions coming. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, I never do, do I? <laughs> After all this time, <laughs> we got uh, we got quite a few super fans get in touch with us. Jules was the the biggest, um, and probably one of the first ones that got in touch with us. But we also uh, got contacted by a certain uh, Jay Marguccio, I think Joe, I think a Joe Marguccio, uh, who sent us didn't didn't ask to 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 come on the show, but sent us a a song that uh that joe had written in uh an homage to ricky Joe Marguccio's homage to Ricky Wilson, and yeah, other, some other super fans got in touch with with some amazing stories of long, long, long lasting fandom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, they're clearly a band that are really loved. Yeah, understandably yeah. so. Absolutely. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen them in the in in at the start and mm. seen them progress. Yes, alas. Now, mm-hmm. uh, Matthew. Yes. Did you listen to the last episode that, that you were not able to, to, to make? I did. I did. Yeah. What were your thoughts on PJ Harvey? Yeah, she's an interesting lady. Very talented and very clever. Did you manage to listen to any, any of her music around that episode? I did, yeah. I, oh. I was expecting something a bit more, a bit easier to grab, on, grab onto. Mm. But I think, I think she's a bit, I don't know, I don't think I could listen to any more of it. <laughs> I was expecting something like, I know, because she always hangs around. She doesn't always hang around Bjork, um, but but there's a lot of pictures of them together, like they're good friends. So I just assumed. Oh, I didn't realize that, they, that. Yeah, it was the, the two of them and oh, what's her name? Tori Amos. It's the Tori, Tori Amos, Amos clan, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There's like this, this like little trilogy of beautiful, amazing musicians. I, I was expecting something poppier and more catchy and you know more yeah i don't know i just couldn't really get into her at all no problem mate well uh i haven't fully decided who the next episode is going to be about so when we get to that part of the outro i'll surprise you oh okay i'll surprise nice. myself as well i've got all three right. or four in my mind and i'm not 100 percent sure who i'm gonna say but whoever it is i'm sure you'll be able to find a super fan for it because you've got a sixth sense you've got a super fan sense me. That's like a terrible superpower. <laughs> it's really awful, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what you can do is find super fans. You're a lunatic. <laughs> well, um, Matt, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, as always. 
and been a, been a pleasure listening to B-52s as well. As I say, I didn't know anything about them to start with, and this re- you can't really say much negative about them, to be honest. They're just... It's just a nice band, aren't they? It's like making, yeah. making good fun, good, clean, fun music. Yeah, how can you not feel good listening to this music? Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's totally inoffensive. Although some of their songs could be about, you know, naughty things. Yeah, there's definitely some, some ambiguous meanings and some some in-jokes that could, could mean a number of different things. Yeah, but yeah, you, you can't go wrong with this band, I don't think, if you want to feel good. Yeah. If you've got a band that you really love and you've got a review you want to give, please go to our website, superfannews.net, where you can submit a review to be published there. We would love to publish your review, I guess. I don't don't know where that sentence was going. (laughs) We would love to publish your review. Um, If you want to get in touch with us, (laughs) go to... uh, You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. Just look for Superfancast. uh, Or you can email us at superfancast at outlook.com. That's about it from me. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that is from you. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Uh, we look forward to you joining us again in a couple of weeks for another deep dive, which is going to be placebo. Really? Yeah, is that right? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I just, I just, I just wasn't expecting. Well, I don't, I don't know what to expect to be honest. But there you, you go. You were expecting okay, placebo. Yeah. Well, okay, fine. Yeah, placebo. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. I think placebo is yeah. going to be fun. All right. All and right, nostalgic as well. Nostalgic, because it's our our era, isn't it? Yeah, bring it on, bitches. Yeah, and have you seen um, Brian Molko in recent years? He's got quite long hair now. Yeah, he t- and also he, I've seen him with a moustache as well, which really, yeah. it throws me off. I don't, I'm, I'm not keen. Moustache doesn't suit him, but yeah, he's a good looking chap. Join us in two weeks. Stay safe, keep rocking, and uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>